someone who wants to know the truth, who loves truth, and who really wants a deeper understanding of how things actually work in the world of money, business, human psychology, relationships, then you're really going to enjoy listening to today's podcast with Paul Council. Um, I've been around coaches my whole life and consciously or subconsciously evaluating coaches, leaders, mentors my whole life. And I can honestly say that I haven't met anyone like Paul. His depth of knowledge and his ability to get a message across is uh, beyond anything that I've discovered over the years. And I think that you're going to find a lot of wisdom in the messages that he shares. If your goal is to improve your income, to have more fun in life, to find the space to do the things that you want to do, to help more people, then you're really going to enjoy this. All right. So, yeah, today I was thinking we'd uh, discuss a little bit more of some of your like key philosophies, um, myths, preconceptions, ideas that at least some of the ones that have stuck with me um, that I'd love to sort of hear you elaborate a bit more on. Um, those that are on can also uh, pop in with questions if there's something they'd like to, to discuss. Um, but I, I think the first um, the first thing that I was thinking about bringing up was the uh, $1,000 bottle of wine because I think that's such a an important thing for people in the fitness world um, to consider and it's an area that, um, you know, oftentimes we're, we're looking at um, discounting and we see ourselves as in competition with each other and I think that concept in itself is can lead someone to a new future. So can you tell us a bit about the $1,000 bottle of wine? Yeah, I'd just like to point out the sad look on Nikki's uh, face there because it seems like she can't afford a $1,000 bottle of wine, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> So in, in brain science and the study of how the brain makes decisions. Now, here is a concept that's incredibly difficult for um, human beings to understand. And that is that at least 95% of our decision-making is made precognitively and yet our ego insists that we are aware and we make informed choices and we make aware choices um, that is not the case it is the case that people can't accept that but it is not the case in terms of how the brain makes decisions so if 95% of decision making is done below the level of conscious awareness. So then there's got to be some sort of mechanism going on that enables the brain to make those decisions. And so if they're precognitive, that means that they're not made with the modern brain, which is the neocortex. They're not made with the paleomammalian brain, which is basically the second brain that developed but they are made with the original brain. Now, some people might refer to that as the R complex or uh, uh, the reptilian um, brain or the lizard brain or, or, you know, whatever. So that's where 95% uh, of decision-making happens. Now, 
then you've got to say, well, okay, how, what criteria, what mechanism does that brain use in order to make decisions, given that it is not the brain that has language associated to it or associated with it? The modern brain, the neocortex, has language and has rational thought and logical thought. And so in, I think, it might have been the second presentation or the third presentation, I'm not exactly sure, but there's a, pre there's a, there's a presentation I did about the neuroarchitecture of decision-making. Now, in that, the decision brain uses, and I'm going to call it a language, but I do not mean to say that it's using the spoken language that I'm using now. So there is a messaging signal, there is a communication signal that allows that brain to make very rapid decisions. And then you say, well, okay, let's go back to, um, let's go back hundreds of millions of years. Um, the decision brain or the original brain has, has over 500 million years worth of evolution. So what decisions did it need to make over that period of time that it is now an expert in making? Otherwise, it would not have survived. And so basically, there's really only three decisions um, and they are all survival orientated decisions. And that is the decision to eat something. Now, however it does its eating, it makes a decision to eat something. That is a decision to avoid something. So however it does its decision-making to avoid something, in other words, danger, threat in some way, shape or form. And then the other decision is, um, you know, do I mate with it? Now, there are sorts of, there's all sorts of chemical processes that go on in the brain in a, in a, in a nanosecond, less than a nanosecond that support either of those decisions or any of those decisions. And it has a communication system based on six elements. So because it doesn't have language, because it can't think or anything like that, it doesn't have long-term memory or anything like that, it is a purely reactionary brain that works below the level of conscious awareness because it didn't even have consciousness 500 million years ago. So then you're going to say, well, okay, so what are those elements? Well, contrast is one of those elements. And contrast allows that brain to not have to think about anything, to not have to add something up, to not have to subtract something, to not have to multiply it, to not have to work it out, to not have to figure it out. Because the time, the time it takes to figure something out, which it couldn't do anyway, then you know the danger might have been too late. So contrast is an extremely important element, a communication element for that brain. Now we still have that brain today. And so now you've got to say contrast is 
one of the most important elements of that brain. So it will respond to contrast in less than a nanosecond because it's the complete picture. I get it. And contrast is by association, of course. Okay. The second part of that brain, it will only attend to something that has triggered its attention. So if nothing triggers its attention, it's busy doing whatever it's doing. Now, if we, if we take a crocodile, for example, and the crocodile is, is lazing on a mud flap, um, you know, on a river somewhere, um, soaking up the sun, um, getting, you know, a little, doing a bit of sunbaking, get a little dry uh, mud on it so it can take care of some pests and all that sort of stuff. If something comes near it that attracts its attention, it will immediately give that something its attention. Now, what could, what could? Well, it could be a, a source of food. It could be a source of threat. It could be a source of opportunity. Now, if it quickly perceives that it is neither a threat or a source of food or a source of pleasure, it will just go back to sun, sun baking. And it can do that in a nanosecond. Um, it is very, very me-centric. So not only will it attend to something, if it is a source of something that's pleasurable, if it's a source of something that is of, um, you know, a food source or, or a threat source, it's going to pay attention. So it's triggered attention and now it's going to give whatever that something is its full attention. And it is going to keep on attending until it figures out that none of those things are irrelevant anymore or it's actually dealt with something. So it's basically attacked it, ate it, or, or mated with it. Is that okay? Yep. So it will only attend to, it will not care what's happening to the next crocodile on the next patch of the river. It will not care what the lion's doing with the buffalo or what the, you know, the bear's doing with the fish or anything like that. It is completely me-centric. And so it um, uh, attends to something that is a tangible outcome. And a tangible outcome is something that satisfies its desire. So it's going to be a food source. It's going to be a, a flight to safety uh, thing or it's going to be a reproduction um, thing. Um, and it responds to something that can trigger a really primal emotion. And those primal emotions are things like fear, or, or status, uh, you know, and we, we call it status, that's our word for it, but it's, it's about being the biggest and the best. So therefore it gets mating rights with um, whomever. Um, so if you now think about, now how, how do we actually influence that brain in the modern context? Because it's still the same elements of communication. It's still the same six elements. But now how do we actually figure it out? Can you do that in language? Yes, you can. Um, and, and really good storytellers do that. You know, good comedians grab your attention. And so good marketing grabs your attention and, and things like that. But one of the easiest things to do is the use of contrast. And remember that um, when I was delivering that lesson, there was a fellow that used a contrast in meat. Uh, so Mackenzie's meat. And so he just looked at, 
the supermarket and he just provided a picture of it and then he told a story. He didn't slag off about the supermarket. He just told a story about what they do and what they do. So in that telling of the story, he's using contrast. In the visual, he's using contrast. Now, the most damaging thing, and I think it's a subject that we covered off on last week about um, allowing yourself to, to slip into to the commodity space by competing with what everybody else is actually competing. And so it's basically a race to exhaustion because you're allowing external factors to you set the price. And every time you describe yourself by the label, you know, I'm a coach or I'm a fitness trainer or I'm a strength and conditioning, um, you've really got to start to understand that you are neither of those. You've really got to start identifying is that you are actually a solution provider. Now, generally, what solution do you provide? Well, generally speaking, you provide a solution called growth. Either it's growth in skills, it's growth in personal development, it's growth in relaxation, it's growth in happiness. So they're always saying move towards thing. It's, it's growth in peace, et cetera, et cetera. So do you understand that? Yep. So, you know, so somebody says, what do you do? I'm a growth expert. And then somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? You might say, well, look, that depends on what your understanding of growth is. So I would never answer it straight off. I would inquire as to them. I would inquire as to them. So I'm a solution provider. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, have you ever had a challenge in this area or this area, this area, this area, this area? And you can just name a dozen off areas and they'll say yes. And so, well, okay, so... You know, all of those areas provided were um, available to, uh, you know, find solutions. Now, either you found your own solutions or you blah, 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 blah. So there's all sorts of ways you can language that. But one of the easiest ways to um, offer the decision brain a decision in your favour is through the use of contrast. And so, now, I'm not exactly sure how you would go about offering your services, but uh, Gavin, who's flipped back to his original identity uh, last week, I think he was um, pretending to be somebody else. Um, he had a little menu um, just behind him and it really wasn't offering anything that was informing the me-centric brain. And so I think it had a junior, senior and, and something else, which is basically yep. the race to the bottom. Okay, so it didn't, it didn't inform me, the consumer, of what were the benefits of anything up there. So, again, you're competing on price, which means a commodity. Now, if Gavin had a menu that looked totally different, the menu was what do I get from each of these experiences? What's the ultimate experience I can get from this price point? What's the ultimate experience I can get from this price point? What's the ultimate experience I can get from this price point? So we're not competing on price at all. We're saying if you want this experience, and that's the way that you language it now, then it's going, that's, you know, the relevant cost is this. And then look, if you want the super duper twin overhead foxtail experience, well, that's $1,000. Now, the $1,000 experience, maybe nobody ever takes it. But it's the $1,000 experience that makes the other set of experiences look relatively inexpensive. 
And the way that I came up with that idea is that I don't know whether you've ever walked into a restaurant or a cafe or had a meal and you open up the wine list and generally, you know, if you're, you know, sort of um, like most people, you start looking down the price list before you actually look for the names of the wines. And if there's a $2,000 bottle of wine, if there's a $1,000 bottle of wine, your eye is going to fixate on that and say, oh, my gosh. And then it's going to immediately look for the $60 bottle of wine, which relative to the $1,000 bottle of wine is so inexpensive and you feel good about not being a cheapskate. That $60 bottle of wine is probably only a $10 bottle of wine in the supermarket, <laughs> but it's the contrast between the $1,000 one and the $60 one that makes the $60 one look inexpensive. And so in all of your offerings, you need the equivalent of a $1,000 bottle of wine because you're tapping into contrast. Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So the, the reptilian brain is, is going to be there. It's going to be looking for contrast in the environment. And if we don't provide that contrast, then we're not going to have as much attention and also our other offer is, is not going to have something. It's not going to, if we don't set this frame of reference to refer to or to compare against, then it's more likely that someone's just going to compare it to the supermarket, for example. Um, they're exactly. going to compare it to the discount fitness option down yes. the road. Yes. And so that means that if you use a label to describe you, they're comparing it to Jim's discount gym junkie down the road. Yep. Okay. Now, the other thing that's a secret that's really, really important, and I do not mean any disrespect by this whatsoever. It's, it's probably, I shouldn't probably say it, but I'm just going to give you the contrast. So whenever I go to a, a Chinese um, cafe or Chinese restaurant, I'm invariably given a menu with, you know, over 100 dishes on it. My brain cannot, discern between them there's nothing that really stands out there's no contrast they're all around about the same price point so my brain just gets overwhelmed and easily confused and i end up rarely ever picking something but i know that my partner always mm, i'd like this but I, I think that one would be okay and i said look you just choose two dishes and I'll just have uh, a little bit of the other one. So again, because there's no contrast there. So you've just been listening to a nine-figure money mentor. Paul was broke at 40. He didn't know money up until that point. He decided to become wealthy. He became wealthy. And he's been teaching other people how to achieve financial abundance since that time it's a really unique opportunity and i don't know anyone else who's doing what paul's doing in teaching investing across different vehicles and in teaching building elite business all with the outcome of a life of more freedom if you'd love to experience the impact that paul's teachings can have on your life and your future use the link in the show notes to find out more